Debbie was wondering whether I was here or not, right? So that's good. Randy was giving me a hard time. There was rumor, um, because I helped at the fish fry for Camp Quality on Friday night, there was rumor that I had converted and become a Catholic and I wouldn't be here anymore. Where'd Randy go? Oh, there he is back there. What's that? You hear him laughing back there, yeah. Uh, so um, he got real concerned and thought he needed to work on me some, but I, I'm here uh, today. Um, I, hopefully a lot of you participated in the fish fry uh, for Camp Quality. Um, I think they raised over $5,000, so um, thank you for that participation and for the community's participation and for St. Munchen's uh, willingness to uh, take their last fish fry and uh, donate all the proceeds to Camp Quality. So we, uh, we celebrate um, um, the churches gathering together to do that. Welcome to worship this morning. Whether you are here in person or whether you are online, I remind you that next week is Easter, and so we will have two worship services, one at 9 and one at 10.30. Both services will be the same. They will involve the choir and the band, and um, we might talk about the resurrection a little bit, if that's okay. Um, also, don't forget Good Friday. Uh, we have a worship service at 6.30. It's an opportunity for us to slow down, uh, to really uh, take in um, how those first disciples uh, must have felt um, after Jesus had been crucified and buried. And it's a good time for us to just reflect on what life might be like without the hope of Messiah or Christ. And so I invite you to come and participate in that at 6.30. Uh, right now, I just want to invite you to begin to turn your attention to, to God and to focus on God's presence that surrounds us, not just here, but wherever we may be, whether we're at home, whether we're here, uh, not just on this day, but throughout the week. Uh, let us be reminded of that loving presence of God that goes with us, that continually seeks uh, to draw us closer to Christ, connecting us with God and one another uh, so that we might be um, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit to go forth and to make a difference in the lives of other people. Let us join in worship in anticipation and expectation of experiencing the, the, the Spirit afresh and anew this day.
Amen. You may be seated. I'm just going to invite us to be in um, an attitude of prayer as we are going to, I'm going to invite you to join your, your voices together in a prayer of confession this day. Um, but uh, before we do that, I just want to invite us into a moment of silence. I know, um, I know when it comes to uh, online and to radio that moments of silence don't work so well, but they're good for us. And so I just want to invite us into a moment of silence as we uh, simply uh, reflect on Christ's presence, as we uh, simply reflect on our lives in Christ and what they look like and what we would hope that they would look like. And I invite you in these moments to open up um, and to offer to God um, your own um, confession, your own praise to him this day. And now let us join our voices together in this prayer of confession. 
Loving God, too often we break your heart with the thoughtless and foolish choices we make. Rather than bring healing, our words hurt those we love most. Rather than reflecting the fullness of your presence, our lives reveal the shallowness of our faith. Rather than being transformed by your spirit, our minds and hearts stubbornly remain unchanged. Rather than reaching out to serve others, we demand that our desires and needs be met first. We long to see Jesus, yet we fail to recognize his presence in the people we encounter throughout the week. Come, Lord Jesus, forgive us, heal us, shape us, so we may engage and invite others to join us in the journey that leads to faith, hope, and love. And now I invite you to stand and join with me in this affirmation of faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and, and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. And now let us join our voices together as we sing Amazing Grace.
some small way we've all experienced your grace coming into our lives and falling upon us. May we experience that even more this morning as we gather in person, online, through all the means that we gather together as your church, worshiping you, seeking you, desiring you. Lord, especially after this long year, we are so hungry for you in our lives. Let us feel you mightier this morning than we have ever felt you before in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today is not your typical Palm Sunday um, message where we talk about the palms and Jesus um, um, entering into Jerusalem. Um, today, I, I want to just wrap up um, this uh, series that we've been doing in just um, uh, seeking to understand what it means to connect with God and to allow God to shape and form our lives. And, and you know, uh, sometimes the, the clothes we wear say a lot about us, Right? They say a lot about what we're passionate about, right? Like, uh, does, does anybody um, question what Jim Terrell is passionate about? <laughs> Especially when baseball season is around the corner. The St. Louis Cardinals, right? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, I got that. That's me. I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. Um, the Kansas City Royals, yes? And in the midst of football season, there's seas of Chiefs shirts and jerseys. Um, and there are a number of other um, messages that we wear on our clothes which say a lot about what we're uh, passionate about. As you came in, you may have saw some T-shirts and display that uh, Kobe put, uh, put up to uh, make us think about uh, the things that we wear and the things uh, that we show that we are passionate about. I think my favorite T-shirt back there is the one that says, um, that's too much bacon. And, and the quote was from, nobody ever anywhere has ever said that. Um, yes? Um, well, in the same way um, as uh, sometimes the clothes that we put on say uh, a lot about us, um, the way that we clothe our hearts and our lives say a lot about us also. And uh, today we're going to take a look at a passage in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And in this passage, actually early on in this uh, chapter, uh, Paul um, is calling folks to, um, to, to live in Christ, to clothe ourselves in Christ. And, and he begins the chapter by actually talking about the 
old life and the old nature that we have set aside, the, the old habits and the old dispositions that we are called uh, to, to take off. Um, in essence, the muddy clothes we need to get rid of. But it is important, uh, Paul uh, communicates to us, it's not just about taking off uh, the muddy clothes and the dirty clothes, but it is about clothing ourselves in Christ. It reminds me of that parable that Jesus told, I think it's in Matthew chapter 14, if I remember right, or chapter 10, I can't remember which one, but Jesus tells this, this short parable uh, about this man who was possessed by a demon, and the, and the demon is cast out, and, and the demon goes away and can't find a home, and decides to return back to the person, and comes with additional uh, demons, and finds that the person's um, heart and life are empty, and so uh, enters the person again, and they are worse off than they began. I wonder sometimes if in our Christian faith, when we begin to think that our Christian faith is just about not doing certain things, when we think that our Christian faith is just about avoiding certain things, or we define our faith by what we are against, I wonder if we don't open ourselves up to actually be worse than when we began because we don't clothe ourselves in the life of Christ. We do not abide in Christ. And so I want to invite us to hear these words from Colossians today in chapter 3, beginning in verse uh, 12. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also forgive each other. And over all of these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called in one body, and be a thankful people. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. Everyone with ears to hear, hear these words this day. Now, you know, often I think we read passages like this and the passage in Galatians that calls us to put on compassion and humility and, and gentleness and, and patience and, and all of these things. And I think sometimes we just kind of uh, go over these quickly without really thinking about of what it means to put these on or, or what these words actually mean. They are not just things that, that we need to know in our head, but they should be things uh, that we live out in our very lives. And so um, I just want to unpack those five things that Paul talks about and then talk about the context in which he calls us to live in this way as we think about what it means to live and to love like Jesus. And first of all, he says, put on the clothes of compassion. Now, I think sometimes we think of compassion as just having pity on other people. I think sometimes we think of compassion as, as just feeling uh, kindly or lovingly toward another person. 
And yet I think genuine compassion, genuine compassion requires us to, to enter into life beside other people. Not just from the outside, but beside them. It, genuine compassion calls us not to just look at somebody and say, what a shame. It calls us to um, feel their pain. Genuine compassion uh, calls us to share in their, their hurt. Genuine compassion um, opens us to be touched in the depths of our being uh, by uh, the hurt and the pain and the status and the position and of the things that we see happening in and through other people. It causes us to feel in the depths of our being the brokenness of other people and the brokenness of the world. Genuine compassion instead of giving rise to pride, gives rise to our own hearts to be contrite and broken. It is costly. Compassion is not just a cheap word, but it, it requires our energy and our time and our emotions. It requires us to put ourselves in the shoes of other people. And so that's what Paul calls us as followers of Christ to be. He also calls us to practice and to put on uh, the cloak of kindness. And again, kindness is not just about being nice to other people. Kindness is not just about having some uh, um, sensitivity to other people's fragility and weakness, you know, being concerned that we might hurt their feelings. Kindness is more than that. In fact, kindness requires that we see other people as people of value and of worth. It requires uh, that we uh, give respect and dignity to all people regardless of their uh, status or where they may be. Kindness means that we refuse to shame or to marginalize other people. Ponder that for a while, especially in our world today and in the actions that we see. And yes, kindness. Kindness means that we open ourselves up to be vulnerable to the manipulations of other people. It is a reality of who we are called to be. And so not only do we clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness, we also clothe ourselves with humility or with a lowliness. And again, this requires or calls us uh, to see uh, the inestimable value of other people, no matter where they are in life, no matter what their, their position or their status, uh, no matter where they are economically, it, it calls us again to see them with value and with dignity. It calls us, humility calls us uh, to, to lower ourselves so that we get beneath others and we help lift them up from where they are. Here's another thing that humility does, though. Humility calls us as we seek to reach out and to help people. It calls us and challenges us 
to accept the possibility, to, to acknowledge the reality that some of the people that we seek to reach down and to lift up out of circumstances, that sometimes they are further along in their faith journey. They have things to offer to us, things in which we think that we may be superior to them, and yet there are things in their own life and their own faith that can minister and speak to us. See, humility says that in the midst of reaching down and helping lift others up, that we also leave open the possibility that in the midst of doing that, our own hearts are touched and shaped, and we learn something more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Have you ever experienced that? I don't know how many mission trips I've gone on with, gone with youth on, and, and uh, their focus is often always um, helping somebody and, and helping them out, and inevitably when uh, we do the debriefing, uh, the kids are amazed when they see folks living in circumstances that are much below theirs. They see they have such a faith and such a contentment and such a joy. And they are touched and shaped more than the person who they are helping. Somewhere in their mind, they, they got this idea that the people that they were helping were, were just people below them that had nothing to offer to them. And in the midst of serving them, they discovered that they were people who had much to offer. They were people of value and worth and that they could actually influence their lives and the way that they live. It's not often the way that we reach out to help people, but this is what we are called to do. And then Paul says we should wear uh, the clothes of gentleness. When we put on the clothes of gentleness, what that does is that, that frees us. That frees us from our defensive, uh, self-protecting um, responses to people. If we put on this cloth of, of gentleness, it means when someone rubs us the wrong way, that rather than responding or says something that, that, that hurts us or challenges us, rather than responding out of a self-protectiveness or a defensiveness, that we are able to hear them and see them and experience them for who they are. It is this responding, it allows us to respond to others without being harsh and without being overbearing. Our gentleness, gentleness requires that we give up our agendas and our desires to control others. And in fact, it is our responses of gentleness that introduce the presence of grace, to create the opportunity for grace to be poured out in the lives of other people simply because we respond in a different way than what most humans respond. And so lastly, we are called to clothe ourselves with patience. Nobody here has a problem with that, right? We're all good at patience. Well, you all can teach me some lessons, maybe. Patience. Patience challenges our need to, to um, 
put our agenda ahead of everybody else's. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, isn't patience really challenges this need we have to, ha- to, to work our agenda, to push our agenda. Uh, patience, uh, um, if, if we don't have patience, it gives way often to frustration and anger and even outrage, and, and it can even lead to us trying to coerce other people to do the things we want them to do in the time we want them to do them. And yet patience is not this, uh, uh, sometimes we think of patience in this way. Well, I'm just going to patiently wait, patiently wait, all tensed up, waiting for people to see the world the way I see it. Yes? Uh, We think of patience as I'm going to, I'm just waiting for people to do what I want them to do. I'm not sure that's patience. That may be how I act too often, but that is not patience. Patience is this willingness to allow God to work in God's way, in God's own timing, to bring everyone, including me, into alignment with God's agenda and God's purpose in a situation. That's what real patience looks like. I've got a ways to go on that one. Patience. Patience puts to death um, our uh, dehumanizing manipulation of other people. Uh, The destructive violence that we do upon others as we seek to get them to do and to see things our way. And like, uh, like all of these clothes, it, it under, they undercut our pride and our protectiveness, our defensiveness, uh, um, our abusiveness of other people. And so Paul calls us to put on compassion and kindness and gentleness and, and patience and humility. And then that's just verse 12. I got four more to go. In verse 13... You know, I always thought of verse 14 talks about forbearing and forgiving one another. I'd always read that as if those were just additional pieces of clothes to put on. But I, I came across an excellent commentary on Colossians this week. Actually, it's in a, in a book by Robert Mulholland. In fact, many of the words you hear today are influenced by Robert Mulholland and what he shares in a book called The Deeper Journey. Uh, But in there, um, as he reads chapter 13, as he looks at the the Greek in that chapter, he suggests that actually chapter 13 gives us a couple of examples of the context in which we are to put on these clothes of compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and patience. Uh, uh, These two things of forbearing and forgiving. Um, We are called to, to, to put these things on and to forbear with other people. And forbearance, um, like patience, I think we misunderstand. We think forbearance is just uh, gritting our teeth and tolerating other people. Yes? We think that's what forbearance. We think we're doing good at tolerating and forbearing if we just grit our teeth and say, I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. I'm not going to say what I'm thinking. Are you laughing? Huh? Too close to home, maybe? Yeah, I know it is for me. 
Uh, but but uh, that is not what forbearing with one. Forbearing with other people means letting other people be who they are. Not just some caricature uh, that we have of who we think they are, right? Isn't that how we treat folks way too often? It, 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 it's we begin to put people in, in these silos or in these camps, and, and like if they say this, then they're like everybody else I ever met this way. And forbearance means that we let people be who they are, not who we think they are, not who we think that they should be. Forbearance means that we entrust ourselves to God in the midst of every interaction that we have so that we make ourselves available for the people who we encounter so that we, so that we might be Christ in the midst of that interaction. I don't know about you, but I got a long ways to go when it comes to forbearance. So it's not just about gritting our teeth, but it is actually about wanting to be the presence of Christ in a situation, even if I'm in the midst of, of, of people who are dysfunctional and, and broken and, and in bondage, it means seeking to be that presence of Christ, refusing to shame, to judge, and to condemn, but instead to be, to be Christ knocking on the door of their heart with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Now, it doesn't mean that we become a doormat for other people either just to continually be abused by them. But it means that we choose to resist their behaviors and to act differently than they do, not just out of our hurt and our pain and our desire for retaliation, but out of our desire to seek their well-being and to seek their wholeness. Maybe we should stop there. The next one uh, that Paul says is that we are to practice, we are to put on these clothes so that we might forgive one another. Notice that Paul doesn't say um, we should put these on so that when someone comes and apologizes and repents, we can forgive them. There's no mention about other people coming to apologize or to repent or to even say that they are sorry. You see, forgiveness calls us to set aside um, this uh, idea uh, that someone has to apologize or repent before we can forgive them. It, it calls us to act not out of this like we're some gracious, superior uh, person who um, you come and beg me or you come and ask and, and um, I'll, I'll forgive you after I make you squirm for a little bit. That's not the kind of forgiveness that Paul is talking about. And, and, and in fact, um, I think in reality, 
um, sometimes we hear this forgiving and we, we immediately jump to reconciliation. I think when Paul calls us to forgive others, it's as much for us as it is for other people. It's as much for us as it is for... It releases us from this destructive bondage of what the other has done to us. It, it sets us free. It keeps, it keeps the wrong that, that we have experienced or perceived from festering in our lives. It keeps it from becoming a, a, a cancer of bitterness or resentment that hinders all of our other relationships. Have you, have, you ever experienced, um, have you ever experienced a relationship with another person who, who just cannot forgive something that happened to them or something that someone did to them? I don't know about you, but, but often when I experience folks who have this unforgiving attitude, it sours their relationship with other people. Uh, they're always looking at others with this same anticipation that they're going to do something to wrong them. It doesn't enable them to enter into relationship. And in fact, Paul says here, and even Jesus says, I think, in, in, when we do the Lord's Prayer, it talks about forgiving others as we have been forgiven. And I don't think that that means we need to forgive them or God won't forgive us. I think what it means is that we cannot experience the fullness of God's forgiveness if we do not forgive others because our relationship with God is hindered. If we can't forgive, then no matter how many times I hear it on Sunday morning, I know somewhere within me that God can't really forgive either. And our inability to forgive hinders that relationship. It clogs up our receptors in which we receive God's grace and love. Forgiveness does not guarantee or even promise reconciliation. But it does mean that then when the person comes who has wronged us and says that they're sorry and repents and says uh, that they want to go a different path, it means that we are already prepared to say, you are forgiven, let us start afresh and anew. It opens up the door and the possibility to reconciliation, even though it doesn't guarantee it. It is in the, the midst of these relationships that we are called to put on compassion and humility and gentleness and kindness and patience. It's not just in forbearing with others and forgiving one another, for certainly if we can do it in those situations, we can do it in all situations of life. And that is indeed what Paul calls us to do. He calls us to not just take off the dirty muck that surrounds our inner selves, uh, that keeps us from God's presence, those things that keep us or, or that perpetuate the brokenness and the hurt and the pain in the world, but it calls us to clothe ourselves in things that actively work against those things in the lives of other people and in our relationships. And so he says, put on the love. The bond of unity, the perfect bond of wholeness, put on Christ. For you see, it is 
Christ that allows and enables us to forbear one another, to forgive those who have wronged us with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. We are invited. We are invited to live in Christ and to allow Christ to live in us so that we might continue to be shaped and formed. We are invited to grow in communion with Father, Son, and with Holy Spirit and clothe ourselves in such a way that these attitudes and these dispositions are not things that we have to think about. But they are actually clothes we have already put on because we have sought to live in Christ and to allow Christ to live at the center of our lives. And they become virtues and characteristics which become second hand and second nature to us because we have opened the door to Christ. Indeed, uh, this is a call for us. All of Lent is a call for us to reflect upon our lives, where we are in Christ, whether Christ is at the center of our heart, whether or not we are taking off uh, the old nature and clothing ourselves with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that it will enable us to be the incarnate presence of God for everyone with whom we come into contact. And so as the choir comes forward, I'm going to invite us this day to think about the clothes that we put on. Not these clothes, but the clothes of virtue. Every morning this week, I want to invite us to offer up a prayer to God. Saying, God, help me this morning as I get going to put on the clothes of compassion and kindness, and humility, and gentleness, and patience, so that they may be on display in every interaction and every relationship that I am involved in throughout this day. And then at the end of the day, let us celebrate how we have seen the Spirit at work making a difference in the lives of other people. May it be so in your life this day. Let us stand and sing, Lord, I want to be a Christian.
Amen. May that be our prayer this week. I remind you next week, 9 o'clock and 10.30 on Sunday, 6.30 on Friday night. Um, Go forth this week. Go forth to live in Christ, to allow Christ to live in you so that you might be the hands and the feet of Jesus, so that you might share His love and His grace with whomever and with everyone, so that we might truly make a difference in the lives of other people. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to put on the clothes of Christ. Amen. Okay.